We take a look at Brandon Miller's Rookie of the Year campaign, and at the end, look at who wore it best. All today on Locked On Hornets. We're Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. We Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We are free. We are available anywhere you get your podcast, and that does include YouTube. You can see Doug right there. He is back. He is dressed in green. That means he is good to go. You can read his stuff on his Substack, everyhornetsboxcore.com, and you can listen to me on WFNZ every weekday on Sports Radio 92.7 FM. Um, you can follow me on Twitter as well, at Walker Mail. How are you feeling, Doug? You ready to go rapid fire, as the tag board says on the YouTube channel? Oh, I'm ready. I'm ready to, to heat it up on this show after missing last show for illness purposes. Uh, listen, when I get sick, um, it is intense. It's very short, uh, but it's always my baby's fault. OK, like if you think you have a great immune system, <laughs> you until you have a kid, you are a summer league hero. Okay, you have not reached the NBA level. You have not been tested. Having a kid is the immune system equivalent to your welcome to the NBA moment. And uh, I had just another instance of it yesterday, but I'm fine now. I'm ready to come on here. Your t- your takes on that last show made me even sicker. It, gave, it took me all yeah. the way to rock bottom, and then I bounced back because I'm ready to come back and respond to what you guys said yesterday. Oh, yeah. I mean, I didn't realize that was happening. It felt like a pretty even keel show, but apparently not. We were absurd. Uh, was it just me or was it David's takes that have you going rapid fire? Today? It was it was both of you. It was both okay. of you. I, could, I couldn't stand it was too too much fence setting, too much nuance. Whoa, I'm here to br- fence I'm here setting. To br- all right. I'm here to break all that up. You don't need a Bunsen burner to heat this thing up. You need a Branson burner. That's so bad and so good at the same time. <laughs> Let's move on. Brandon Miller's Rookie of the Year campaign, Doug. You have been chomping at the bit to fire off some takes. So why don't you start with Brandon Miller's ROI campaign this upcoming season? Well, listen, the the road is going to be difficult. Let's not mince words about it. Um, There is a road, though, and I wanted to look up some stats on, you know, just the past couple of rookie of the year, uh, the, the winners, and see if I could see some trends, see if I could see a path for Brandon Miller. The reason it's going to be tough is because I don't think that he's going to start every single game. Um, that that is available to him. I think he's going to begin the season off the bench and have to work his way back. And if you look at the past couple of Rookie of the Year winners, Paolo Bancaro, Scotty Barnes, Luka Doncic, John Morant, Ben Simmons, they all started every single game that was available to them. And John Morant played the uh, least amount of games, but played 67 of them. Now, I left a name out, Walker. What name did I leave out? For this rookie of the year campaign, I didn't even hear. I didn't know which one you were talking <laughs> Good about. Good start. Good start. I come back on the I mean, show. Look, I don't know which one. I, I mean, Caro. I'm looking at the list right now. I see all of the list. I don't know what player you left out. I left out LaMelo Ball. Gotcha. And LaMelo Ball did not start all of the games that were available to him. In fact, he he came off the bench for 20 of those games and only played, because of the wrist injury, only played in 51 games, still won uh, rookie of the year. And I think there's a path here that is very LaMelo Ballian for Brandon Miller. He, uh, now, LaMelo Ball averaged 15.7 points, six assists, and nearly six rebounds on an effective field goal percentage of 50%. So, Brandon Miller, how does he do it? I mean, he's got to come off the bench 
and deliver three-point shot after three-point shot. He's got, you know, looking at this list of rookie of the years, uh, LaMelo Ball had the highest three-point percentage of the past six rookie of the years at 35%. I mean, certainly Brandon Miller can have a higher three-point percentage than that. And then it's about what else can he do for the team. So I think that assist number has to be particularly high as well. He's got to make plays for others. But, you know, it's a slim path. It's going to probably require an, an injury or a trade, uh, for the Hornets part, and maybe possibly an injury to one of the other Rookie of the Year candidates as well. So my question is, I, I guess it would. We just haven't talked about it as much because it wasn't a problem for rookies. But I think rookies still have to get that 65-game limit under their belt before they can win, right? I don't mm-hmm. think it's exclusive. It's not a problem. You're not really load-managing rookies until you're at Victor Oibinyama and the Spurs might load-manage you. So there, there's one guy that you could cross off the list, Wimby, if they're going to load manage him down in San Antonio. Now you have Scoot Henderson, who's in an interesting situation in Portland because Dame ain't traded yet. What's going to happen with Damian? I, maybe that takes a lot of the volume away, especially if Anthony Simons is still on the team. Mm-hmm. Who knows? I, maybe those are the two guys that you would look at first and foremost, and they might be limited. Houston with a Cam Whitmore and Amen Thompson. They've got a lot of young guys on that squad. Jabari Smith. Yeah, I, I think there's a non-zero chance for sure that he wins rookie of the year. I do think that there's a shot, but ultimately you would probably go with Scoot because of the volume, especially if does if Damian Lillard does get traded away. Wimby, if he plays 65 games, he'll be more so of the defensive rookie of the year, averaging 15 points as well. Like that's the Ben Simmons type of rookie of the year mold. And then remember another guy that you're going to have to pay attention to, Chet Holmgren. And that's very Ben Simmons-esque because Ben Simmons won it in his second year. That's where the jokes came in. Ben Simmons is still a rookie and is like his fourth year. Social media ran away with that. Ben Simmons in all but three categories, such as points per game, three-point percentage, and free throw (laughs) percentage, he led every single one of these rookies in every other category. Rebounds, assists, steals, blocks per game, field goal percentage, so Ben Simmons did an every had an all-around game. Nobody scored less than 15 points per game to win rookie of the year. The closest we got was Scotty, who was at 15.3, but also brought some defensive measures. He was a guy that played pretty damn well on that end of the floor, even when rookies come in already as bad defenders. Like it's hard for a rookie to come in and just show up, be very good. I don't know if I see Brandon Miller as these kinds of archetypes, Luka Doncic, John ja Morant, LaMelo Ball helping in and having big time numbers in a bunch of different categories or That's helping out like. defensively. That's what the voters yeah. like. Yeah, they, they sure do. So if you don't, if you're not a 20 point per game score or a knockdown shooter, which he, he's a knockdown shooter, but is he going to have the assist like LaMelo had? No, he's not. He's not going to have the LaMelo assist. Mm-hmm. Is he going to have the defensive impact that Ben Simmons had his rookie season or even Scotty Barnes? No, mm-hmm. I don't think so. That's, that's the tough part about this. I think Scotty Barnes is a good model, too, because Barnes wasn't like the leader of that team. Right. I mean, there there were other guys there that you would look to. So, like, you know, if you're if the argument is, well, you have to be the guy to get rookie of the year, like LaMelo Ball was for that team, uh, like Paolo was last year, like Luca, Ja, you know, Scotty presents you a little bit of a model there with a guy that isn't like the number one option coming in. But Scott and Scotty Barnes, like I think Brandon Miller will have to do, will have to make a major impact on the defensive end as well. I'll give you one more category to look at. 
that's field goal attempts. Rookie of the year voters love volume. Let's run down the list. LaMelo Ball, 13.2 field goal attempts. Paolo last year, 15.6. Scotty Barnes, 12.6. That's the lowest except for Ben Simmons at 12.3. Luka Doncic, 16.5. John Morant, 14. So Brandon has to be aggressive if he wants that rookie of the year by the end of the year. And I think, you know, when you look at Marlon Garnett, the head coach of the Summer League team's comments during Summer League, he's pushing Brandon Miller to be more aggressive because, you know, Brandon Miller did make plays for others in Summer League, but there were some moments where he looked a little bit reticent to go try to make a play by himself because he got bodied a few times. And I think he's going to have to find his way through there. Obviously, this summer, the focus is on getting stronger. Hopefully, he comes into camp. He is a little bit stronger. He can take a little bit more of that NBA beating. And you can see a more aggressive version of Brandon Miller. I think ultimately, Walker, the path to rookie of the year for Brandon Miller involves the Charlotte Hornets winning. If the Hornets, an irrelevant franchise, remain irrelevant by being out of the playoffs, then Brandon Miller has no shot. But if the Hornets suddenly enter the playoffs as a sixth seed, say they miss the play-in altogether, say everything goes right, and Brandon Miller is a big part of that as a starter by the end of the year, then I think you start to build your case of Rookie of the Year around that. Hey, they added this piece, and all of a sudden this team that has been irrelevant for a long time becomes relevant. I think that's the kind of narrative things that's that's going to have to happen for Brandon Miller uh, to make his case for Rookie of the Year. Especially because the volume's not going to be there because every one of these guys had volume, as you just mentioned, and I don't expect that to be there for Brandon when LaMelo is here, Miles is back, Terry Rozier still on the team. Is he the fourth, fifth option offensively right now? That's going to be tough to get enough volume. It's got to get close. I think that's what we're saying here. And then it's got so, to get to that. It's got to get to that like 11, you know, it can't be 10. It can't be under 10, certainly, attempts per game. It's got to get close to that 12 mark. If it's not around 12 by the end of the year, then, yeah, I mean, he's got no shot. Well, and and I'll say this, too, last thing. If, if he does come short of the volume, as these other Rookie of the Years have been, um, then the three-point percentage has to set a new mark in the last five guys that have won it. He's going to have to shoot better than LaMelo did at 35% his first season. If the volume's not going to be there, but he shoots 38, you know, maybe there can be some balancing act there. But yeah, it's going to be tough. There's no doubt about it. All right. Coming up next, Locked on Hornets podcast. Good discussion. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. <laughs> you like that. He liked the first segment. I don't know if I'm going to like the second segment or not. It seems like Doug is ready to attack with rapid fire. He was angry at both of his walkers yesterday who had to help him out because he was sick. But how does he repay us? He's going to come after us immediately because that's how Doug Branson operates. We'll find out next exactly why. Coming up next, it's going to be a couple of those uh, topics, but not before Locked On um, mentions Ibotta because they've been a great partner for us the last couple of years. If you're picking up burgers and hot dogs for a summer barbecue, better get mm. it done quick. Summer's about to come to an end. You know you're already doing it, so why not get cash back for it with Ibotta? Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods so you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. Either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and get your cash back. It's that easy. The average Ibotta user earns about $120 per year. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip, or you could use your cash back to buy that flight you've been eyeing, the game you're dying to go to, or the fancy dinner that you've been craving. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Ibotta by using code LOCKED when you register. 
Just try to go to the App Store, go to Google Play Store, download the free Ibotta app and use code LOCKED. That's Ibotta, I-B-O-T-T-A, Ibotta in the Google Play or App Store and use code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D. More Locked on Hornets coming up next. Is Locked on Hornets. Adam Silver had Ahmad Rashad up on stage and he used his phone to like body scan Ahmad Rashad and then they like inserted a, like a digital version of Ahmad Rashad into the highlight and so i'm looking at this and going just fix my league pass i don't want to be in a highlight i would just like to actually watch the highlight without my application logging me out freezing dropping all of the time fix my league pass before you insert me in the game please and thank you it's time for more of the locked on hornets podcast Let's hear it, Doug. We talked about Steve Clifford yesterday. We talked about Mitch Kupchak a little bit, but really the main conversation was Steve Clifford, not only just the win total, right? We had that in the lead segment, 30 and a half wins FanDuel posted for the total this upcoming season. We both thought that was a little low, but if you went back to their previous win total two years ago of like 43 games, we thought that would still be a little high and still that was a play in, right? Steve Clifford, though, I imagine this was the thing that you had a problem with when we said that there was a path for Steve Clifford to come back. But a lot of that was predicated on LaMelo. I'm not sure. I'm not sure why you're so mad at us, Doug. Please explain. Well, I'll say this. I don't think it's too low. I don't think that win total is too low. I think the Hornets at this point, both as an organization and the players that are on the floor, have to prove to fans, to Vegas, to NBA pundits that they deserve to be relevant. And I want to see that win total, that that win total projection, be as low as possible until (laughs) the Hornets. I mean, it would help me to bet for sure. I think that smash that over. Yeah, I think fifteen is fair. Honestly, fifteen games. I think that's fair. No, I am I am in show me mode with the Charlotte Hornets at this point. Mm -hmm. I am not going to get on this microphone and and you know put my respects on the line, put put my reputation on the line. And, and tell you that the Hornets can beat this projection when everything that they've yeah. shown um, has has really not proven that. And, and you know, the injury bug, people want to point to that a lot. They want to focus on that. But here's the thing. T- they weren't even the most, like, if you look at just, like, games lost, sure, you know, the Hornets lost their best players, but they didn't lose the most games. I think they were, like, fifth in that category. They weren't even the team that lost the most games in the NBA for players last season. Everybody deals with injuries. Teams with depth, teams that make moves in the offseason, teams that add talent, they can sustain injuries. They might not be playoff teams, but they won't be the worst team in the NBA because they actually do something in the offseason. So I'm not going to let this team completely off the hook because because of injuries, number one. And number two, they have to show me that they can beat this win total. So I'm keeping that win total low, low, low until they prove it. I want to be surprised by this team. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, yeah, they're definitely going to beat the projections. All right. No, I mean, I I feel good about them beating the projection. They did the two previous seasons before this last one on the win-loss total projection. I think they beat it by like 10 games, something like that. So they have shown us that they can beat the preseason total whatever it's posted, and, and, but it doesn't but mean that they're going they do, even if they do, well, see, well, I'm, I'm, I'm hot. I told you I'm hot. I told you I'm hot. People are going to get mad at me for interrupting you. They always do, but I'm hot. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I need to stop you there. And, and I have no apologies for you to stop you right there. <laughs> Your whole stick 
Your uh -huh. whole thing was uh -huh. that they need to show you they can beat the win total. Uh -huh. I told you they did the two previous seasons, and then you said, who cares? After that was your uh, entire argument. Yep. Because no one's why. arguing that they're going to make the playoffs or even get to the play-in tournament. But after you said they need to show me, mm -hmm. and then I said they did, you said, who cares? No, I no, just no, want to no, set no, that no, space no, no. with people. They need, to show, they need to show me this season, number right. one. We right. I live in the present moment. I don't live in the past. Right, I hope you do sure. too. Live in the present. There is no future. Mm -hmm. There is no past. There is only now. That's yeah. number one. Number two, even if they do beat the win total, I don't care because it's all about the postseason, baby. I don't need regular season. No Steve Clifford understands that. Steve Clifford knows that you're building in the regular season. Not You have to win enough regular season games to get to the playoffs, but you're really trying to get to the end of the season, the regular season, with a team that knows how to win in the play-in and hopefully sure. in the playoffs as well. And so, yeah, I don't need look if they beat the projection, whatever you got to Now you got to prove it in the <laughs> postseason. What, <laughs> what? Of course. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. That that turned into, you know, win a championship. It's the only argument I need, Sean. That that turned into that. All right. So I mean, what, a first round the, series is a Hornets yeah. championship. I mean, I'm going to I'm going to pop the Andre. I'm going to pop the cheap champagne. I'm going to spray it all over the studio if they win a first round series. Uh, I think producer Katie would be mad at you. Yeah, getting swiggy with it after that just makes Ooh. me want to get next you know, throw up you with it. Next What's topic. What's the next topic? Oh, I'm going to save the Steve Clifford one for last. Preseason schedule. I wasn't really hot about this, although I think you guys did miss. I hope the not. I hope not. You're really sick if you're hot about the preseason schedule. <laughs> takes. That's right. Summer is for feelings, which we're in right now. Preseason mm -hmm. is for reason. We all know that. But I think you did miss the biggest game in the preseason schedule. It's not the Celtics. It's not the Heat. It's the Washington Wizards. Uh, that's when LaMelo yeah. Ball injured himself in the last preseason, started the you know, uh, the snowballing of ankle injuries that, that he sustained throughout that season. It started, and, and the Wizards didn't do anything. It was, you know, he was driving through the lane and just, I think he stepped on a foot of a Wizards defender, but it wasn't like a situation where he was shooting and they got in his they got in his shooting landing spot or anything. I mean, but at the same time, we got to get through that Wizards juju, move past that preseason game healthy, you know, we're going to be analyzing the preseason a lot on this show. <laughs> but but behind all of that, the thing that will be probably left unsaid as we look at how they're shooting, how they're passing, how the team is functioning defensively, through all of that, what's going to be left unsaid is hopefully they move past this game healthy. Everybody is ready for the regular season. Like I, I don't know. I don't think I can take another regular season game one that doesn't feature Lamelo Ball or Brandon Miller or any of the other major pieces that, that would they be, have. So yeah. watch out for the Wizards. Would love to see everybody healthy for sure. All right, and uh, let's say let's get to the Steve Clifford take that you have. You guys were all like, "Well, I don't know. You know, maybe if this happens, then you never know." Oh, the no, listen, gracious. Steve Clifford. My goodness gracious! If he wants to keep his job, it's very simple, folks. He has to win a playoff series. That is that is the bar. Unfortunately, that is the bar for him. It is high. <laughs> I mean, it's extremely high when you uh, consider the fact that the Charlotte Hornets have not won a playoff series in 21 years. The amount of time that it has taken the Charlotte Hornets to win another playoff series can legally drink in the United States. Uh, so it is a high bar. And, and Steve Clifford, I think, would admit that and may admit that at the coach's luncheon because he understands it's all about winning. He understood why he got fired the first time uh, because they could not replicate, they could not win a playoff series, and they couldn't even replicate the success of getting to the playoffs 
after 2016. And so he got the boot. And I think this new this new regime is going to come in and and they're going to be looking, I think, for reasons to clean house because this team doesn't have any success in the postseason to lean back on. Mitch Kupchak doesn't. Steve Clifford doesn't. James Borrego didn't. None of the players do. And so if you can't lean back on anything, then then you're going to have to completely sweep away and go after some big name. I don't I don't even think that it's going to like require a big name because the Hornets as an organization haven't proven that they could go out and get a big name. They couldn't even they couldn't even reel in a Kenny Atkinson. So that's another thing that this new uh, you know, ownership group is going to have to prove that even if there is a name out there that would be willing to come and coach the Hornets, that they could even draw those people in. There's some stuff that's going to have to happen behind the scenes in terms of investment that can prove to these big names, hey, this is not Michael Jordan anymore. This is a new thing. We're doing it way differently. Come here. This is an attractive place to come and build your staff. And so, yeah, I, I think it's got to be win a playoff series. There's no question about it. And even then, even then, I wouldn't be surprised if they moved on. Sure, I would bet. I would bet that they move on from Steve Clifford. I would bet it's. It, I think that's probably true that he has to win a playoff series. The only nuance that I tried to allow before you smashed it and then stomped all over it, like Dave Chappelle, Rick James going on the couch, it's that I think if they get to the play-in tournament and then they're competitive and Lamelo Ball likes Steve Clifford and pushes for him to stay on this team and the owners care. So check, check, check. A lot of boxes. But if that all happens, then I think that would maybe create a storm enough for Steve Clifford to come back. But you're probably right. Like, I would probably say it is playoff series win or bust. And then my next question would be, does Steve Clifford get another job? Because at the coach's luncheon, before he started his you know second iteration as a head coach here, he talked about how this is probably it for him. That this was going to be his last stance as a head coach and who knew if and he said it was all about getting to the playoffs and they definitely did not last year to your point earlier in this segment. So that would be frustrating. I would like, I like Steve Clifford. I don't think he's the best coach in the world, but I think he's a really smart guy. I think he can win a playoff series. I think he's a really good series manager. We've seen it before a couple of times now. So I would love to see what he can do in that environment. So I, I would love to see him get there, but I, yeah, I don't, I don't see him getting there this year. Well, I don't think we can judge Steve Clifford as a head coach, honestly, because he's never really had a superstar. LaMelo ball is going to be the closest thing that he's had to that kind of talent. Um, in his head coaching career. Uh, Kimball Walker was an all-star, got to All-NBA there at the end, uh, but I don't think anyone would have called him a superstar. So, you know, he had a lot of those as an assistant coach. He knows, he knew, and he's talked about, like, what is a superstar like Tracy McGrady, like Howard and his, Dwight Howard in his prime? You know, what those players do to a franchise, how, how that domino affects down the rest of your rotation, your roster, and allows you to compete on a level that the Charlotte Hornets haven't even sniffed. And so, unfortunately, he's never been given that talent. So if he does retire after this, it'd be a damn shame because I think Clifford, honestly, could be considered, uh, you know, one of the better coaches in our league um, if he would have been given at any point uh, talent that would rival the, the Howards or the McGrady's or the Kobe's of the world. Okay. How do you feel, Doug? You feel better? I do. I felt, I'm, you know, I was like 90% going into this show, but just like really unleashing mm -hmm. on you too has gotten me to 100%. I'm fully healed. I mean, you guys are just a shot of amoxicillin. Oh, uh, yeah. Luckily, David doesn't get to hear this. And so it's <laughs> it's all me. Yeah. You say you too. And it's funny because David is is enjoying life right now, probably somewhere not hearing 
your chastising. All right, one more segment to go. Coming up next, Lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. Who wore it best? It is the Jersey game. We go by every single number. Who wore that number in their time with the Hornets? The best who performed the best in that uniform. We'll get to that in just a moment on Locked on Hornets. Is Locked on Hornets. Doug is wearing his sunglasses indoors at, as we record, 8.23 a.m. Doug, explain yourself. I am smothered in U.S. soccer. Came down to Charlotte to watch them as national teams. Uh, Jesus, back-to-back Hattie. There's your soccer analysis for the day. Uh, but, yeah, you don't want to see these eyeballs. Okay, these eyeballs, these retinas have seen some things, if you will. And, uh, yeah, I'm recovering, and I'm doing my best here. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. You are muted, my friend. Sorry about that. I just, I, the, my, the, the, the heat of my takes knocked I, out your microphone. Either that or you found a way from where you sit to, to mute I my wish. mic as soon as, yeah, I, I feel wish. like that. You would utilize that a lot more if you had Well, then people would uh, quit getting on me for interrupting you. They don't understand. Here's what they don't understand. Tell them. Uh, number one, you and I are doing this in two different states. We're doing this remotely. If you and I were in the same room then I would have a little bit more control. Sometimes you don't even see me, uh, you know, trying to wave you down to, to say something because you've got something up on your screen. And so, you know, the logistics of this, sometimes I have to get the bulldozer out. I mean, sometimes, look, if I want to get a word in edgewise over the oh, radio oh. professional, I don't know why oh, people wow. get on me for this. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm just trying to get in there with my, with my knowledge, uh, with my opinions and get in there through your radio professional, you know, glaze and and bust it up a little bit and people get on my case about it. I'm tired of it. Let's start the countdown from 98 to whatever number we're evaluating today. What's the countdown, Doug Branson? You want me to go through the list? I mean, we usually do, but it's it's a long list now. I'll let you make that call. All right, let's do it real quick. 98, okay. Arnoldus Caboca. 55, Chris Douglas Roberts. Mm, CDR. 54, Lee Nalon. Nailing Lee Nailon. 52. I'm, I'm going to kill the fanfare because we got to go. 52. Matt Geiger. 50. Emeka I, Okafor. 45. Mm-hmm. Armin Gilliam. The hammer. 44. Hammer. Derek Coleman. 43. Anthony Tolliver. 42. PJ Brown. 41. Glenn Rice. Number 40. Cody Zeller. Number, yeah, 30, number 39. Tommy T with the frosted tips. Tom Tolbert. 35. Gerald. World class glass. Number 34. J.R. Reed. Baby Jordan. Baby Jordan. <laughs> 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 number 33 alonzo morning so. jr reed uh two stints with the charlotte hornets not a lot of people remember that they drafted him had that stint and then came back uh george shin welcome to back 31 kurt rambis 30 del curry by the way i was listening to rex chapman on the dan levitard show and he had his he's doing some podcast about owners in the league or mm. in in sports and so they asked him to name his top five worst owners and george shit came in at number five I thought he would come in higher than that because Rex Chapman, drafted by the Charlotte Hornets, uh, had a really rocky history with George Shin. And Rex didn't bring up any of the personal stuff, but they, you know, Rex came in very, he was sexy Rexy. He came in very cocky into into a league that didn't love cockiness. You know, it was definitely more than it is Mm -hmm. now a coach's personality, ownership group personality 
driven league and not uh, we're not in the player empowerment that we are in now. When we talk about players that would have been better in the modern game, I think Rex would have been simply because he was super talented coming out of Kentucky and like his bravado and cockiness would have been looked at as a little bit more valuable, I think, than it was then. And maybe he would have got a little bit more playing time. It wouldn't have been as frustrated. And I think it kind of snowballed on him. I think Rex Chapman would have been a good player. What do you think? All right. Um, yeah, I think he would have. Number 30, Dale Curry. Number 27, <laughs> Dwayne Jones. Number 25, Al Jefferson. Number 24, Jamal Mashburn. Number 23, Jason Richardson. Number 22, Johnny Newman. And here we are at number 21. And I'm going to warn you right now, we've got some, uh, we got some names uh, that we're going to have to deal with uh, because some of these names are going to hurt. Um, Elliot Perry, 1992. Sidney Green, 1993. Ricky Pierce wore 21, 1997. That was one of the so first good. Hornets other than Rex Chapman, but I don't even think you can call that a bust because Rex went on to have a, a decent career. But but uh, Ricky uh, Pierce, ninety ninety seven, or I'm thinking of Ricky Davis. No, you which are, is next yeah, on. not Ricky I'm Pierce. Sorry. Ricky Pierce, a three-time All-Star, or two-time. My fault. Yeah, I'm thinking of Ricky Davis, which also wore number 21, 1999 to 2000. That was a draft bust. Um, mm-hmm. Jamal McGlure, not a draft bust, 2001 to 2002. Uh, got a sneak All-Star when he was a member of the New Orleans Hornets. Uh, Bernard Robinson, 2005 to 2007. Now we're in the Bobcats era. Alexis Agensa, war number 21, 2009 to 2010. Stop me when you've got a candidate here, because I haven't found one yet. I mean, McGlure, close. Eduardo Nahara, what does that I, do I'm for you? For the, you. Just for the Bobcats fans, Eduardo Nahara. El Nino. How about an Akeem Warwick, who was part of the McRoberts trade? Yeah. Pretty sure he left for McRoberts, which he was a key piece, McRoberts was, to that Bobcats playoff team. Marco Bellinelli, 2017, was not a key piece, thought he was going to be a key piece off of that draft trade. Off of 2016, they they traded that sacri- that pick to late first round pick to Sacramento. Marco Bellinelli blocked, blocked you us because on you called his defense um, that of a potted plant. <laughs> and you know now looking back on it it was against lebron james so it's like yeah. how fair was i be <laughs> oh no but you're always fair so i'm surprised uh, right mm-hmm. uh trevion graham for the sicko brigade 2018 number two one and then the current occupant of number 21 is jt thor 21 also the number of years that the hornets um, have not won a playoff series so there you go all right, Doug, I will tell you, this is the hardest one. I think this is the hardest one that we've had. So really? Far. I think so. I'm, I mean, I, there's not anybody that stands out and shoots up a flare saying, hey, pay attention to me. I'm clearly the best who wore number 21. I don't know who to give you. My, the first few names that come to mind, a, a Ricky Pierce, I think, had the best point per game average, but he did it in 27 games for the Hornets. Like, I can't. Is that all it's going to take? 27 games in 97? I'd probably need more. McGlore, I his all-star appearance came with New Orleans, and we've already yeah. made the rule that you it's not New Orleans who wore it best. It's what you did the first two seasons. So he was here in Charlotte for a couple of years. He averaged four and a half points his rookie season, eight and a half his second. Post-up player had almost six rebounds, 5.6 his second year, and then went on to New Orleans before you know became an all-star. I mean, McGlore probably is it, I guess. Um 
Marco, well, he only started eight games. Didn't didn't uh, yeah. start all eighty two. Didn't become the starting center, which was, um, uh, which was Eldon Campbell's role in those final couple of years. Didn't start at center until New Orleans, um, but was you know McGlore. We're we're really grasping at grasping at straws here, but McGlore was yeah. a legitimate defensive role player for that team uh, that did you know, flirt with an Eastern conference championship or championship or Eastern conference final spot two years in a row. They ran into the kids nets in, in that final playoff series. So yeah, I mean, McGlure's got an argument. You, you just brought up though, something for me. I saw John Hollinger who I respect. Like I like some of what he puts out there for the athletic, but one thing I didn't respect was his take that all of those Hornets, you know, Oh, two back to 89 stats should still be with New Orleans. Like, I see this all the time. First of all, I, don't, I still don't think enough people know that the current Hornets franchise owns all of those stats. Those don't go to New Orleans. The Pelicans yeah. start in 2002 and 2003. That's when that franchise starts. <clears throat> all those classic Hornets stats come back to Charlotte. But he was arguing against that. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Why would you not give the original Charlotte Hornets stats to the team that is now named the Charlotte Hornets? crazy to me well i mean yeah i mean i guess he's just saying it's technically that franchise but sure um absurd i i don't know to me it comes down to three names doug i and then it's basically draw a name out of a hat jamal mcglore marco bellinelli and trevion graham i just because i love graham was here two years but graham probably doesn't even have that much of a case Uh, that's probably some bias showing you know marco's year okay so if you look at what marco did he averaged double digit points per game. He averaged 10 and a half. He shot 36% from three, not on a large volume and shot 43% from the field played in 74 games. If you look at their record that season, they were 36 and 46. So they missed the postseason. It's not like they had any success. I, you probably got to go McGlore. I I'll go McGlore and not I'm going McGlore about as it. well. JT Thor though. You know, a couple injuries away. He's got a shot at making that case if they make the playoffs this year. You got to give it to McGlure because, again, they won playoff series. I mean, that's always going to – in this drought that we're in right now, that's always going to be the deciding factor to me. Um, Number 20 – we can do 20 real quick because we got to get a couple of these if we – so we can finish this uh, before my my baby goes to high school. So let's do number 20. Mm -hmm. Jeff Sanders, Tom Hammonds. Rumiel Robinson in 1994, oh, Rumiel, Pete yeah. Myers in 1996, Jeff Grayer in 1998. A lot of guys that I haven't heard of there. But then we get to two guys that you have heard of, the final two right. players, Raymond Felton, 2006 to 2010, versus Gordon Hayward, 2021 to 2023. Who wore it best? Are you going Ray Ray Felton? Or are you going Gordon Hayward? Um, this one is tough too. All right. This is the toughest one we've done, Doug. This is the, <laughs> I'm just, Do we need to, but we have to put a poll up. I think we might have to put a poll up. So, so Gordon Hayward is going to go into his fourth season. Okay. And when he's out there, he's good. He's also not played more than 50 games at any point that he's played for the Hornets, right? 44, 49, 50 Ray Felton, by the way, He'll have played one more season 
than Gordon Hayward with the Charlotte franchise, which seems weird. It seems like he he played more than five years, but that's not true. He only played five years as soon as he was drafted, and then he moves on to the Knicks, and then Denver, and you get the idea. I I mean, my gut, God, I don't know, Doug. Get, I really don't know. I really don't know. Who are you going to go with? Help me out here. Uh, I'm going to go Raven Felton because, um, you know, five years with the Bobcats is like 10 years with any other franchise, just long suffering Had to deal with a lot. Uh, there wasn't a ton of great coaching. Um, so yeah, I mean, Raymond Felton, uh, was leading this franchise. Certainly or obviously didn't live up to the potential that a lot of people saw off of that UNC championship. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, when you look at the games played, I mean, he played a ton of games. Yeah, he played I mean, a ton he was there. Games. What do they say? The greatest ability is availability. That's right. Raymond Felton for all of his faults was, you know, available and was consistent. Like his performance never really wavered. You know, he didn't really reach his peak scoring ability until he got to New York. Um, but you know, he, he still was, you, you know, a good playmaker, uh, you know, Gordon Hayward, obviously, if he had played more games and would would be there, if they had gotten to the playoffs once, it would be Gordon Hayward. Uh, but I think until then, maybe it's Gordon. Look, if Gordon Hayward stays healthy all year and contributes to the Hornets surprising everyone, surprising all the win projections, getting this team to a playoffs uh, and they win a series, then it's obviously Gordon Hayward. Like it's it's tenuous. OK, but until then, I think you got to go with the guy who suited up more often than he didn't. And that was Raymond Felton. And you know what, Doug? How about the fact that in 2009, 2010, when Raymond Felton was still on the team, they made the postseason. So Raymond Felton actually like a legitimate postseason. None of this play in nonsense. They made a legitimate postseason. Right. I mean, they, yeah, they were, a, well, they were top eight seed and the Hornets have not been a top eight seed, any of their play in appearances. So the fact that Raymond Felton played a boatload of games started all but 30 his rookie year that he appeared in really. And that season, that playoff season, Doug, he was just flat out, I think good that year. I mean, he shot 38% from three, if I'm not mistaken, 46 from the field had six assists per game, was the lead point guard on a team that actually made the postseason. That was by far his best year in a Bobcat uniform and had to deal with Larry Brown. So there you go. I agree. That's what I'm saying. I'm giving it to him just for the suffering that he had to endure. And and that season alone, probably. Uh, Yeah, I'll go go with Ray Felton. Did not expect to get there, but here we are. Who wore it best? We will end it there. I'll put it on the YouTube poll. We'll see. But I think Raymond Felton is going to win that poll pretty I think so, too. I think a lot of people are not fond of one Gordon. Hayward. This isn't about talent. This is because if this were about talent level, overall talent level, I think you give it to Gordon Hayward, but it's not who talented it best. It's who wore it best. And, you know, to wear it best really kind of behind that says you have to wear it. And Raymond Felton wore it a lot while he was here. All right. Thanks for making Lockdown Hornets your first listen today. Make your second listen game to game NBA every moment, every top performance, every result locked on game to game. Covers every game from across the league with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow Game to Game on Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Have a great rest of your day. We'll be back with you tomorrow. 